Open your Bibles this morning to John's Gospel, the ninth chapter, page 1061 in the Blue Bible in front of you. We're going to begin reading a long passage this morning, so I'm going to ask you to stay engaged with the text. All right. We often check out, we get busy thinking about other things. It's a longer story, I appreciate that. But stay with me as we read through this, all right? Beginning in verse 1, John's Gospel, chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, it only looks like him. But he he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided about Jesus. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about Jesus? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. The man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man answered, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? 
Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly men who do his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world so that the blind may see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. This long story is one of those stories in the Bible that you can come at from a number of different angles and get some good teaching from it. We could come at this from the the angle of the Pharisees or the blind man, but this whole series we've been focusing on getting to know Jesus and who He is. So we're going to stick to our theme and we're going to look at this story from the perspective of Jesus and what we can learn about Him. Let's just briefly run through the story. There's a lot there. What happened? Similar to what we've seen in some of these other stories, Jesus does a healing where he heals a blind man. We've seen Jesus heal the lame, the lepers, but in this case, we see Jesus heal a man who's blind from birth. And that's critical because that's what catches the disciples' attention. They walk by and they see this man and somehow they know that he's been this way since birth. And they said, well, that raises a question. Who sinned? Who sinned that this man was born blind? Did he commit some sin in the womb? And yes, they did believe in that day that you could commit a sin in the womb. Or did his parents sin? While mom was pregnant with him, that caused him to be this way. Notice, there was no question in their mind that somebody had sinned. Because they saw a connection between disaster, problems in life, and sin. Similar to Job's friends. Remember Job's friends, when he had all his problems, they said, man, you must have done something. Because you're a child. They just knew that sin was involved. What we don't know is whose sin was it. And so they wanted to engage Jesus in a theological discussion about sin. Jesus, though, corrects their bad theology and said it wasn't anybody's sin. And then Jesus heals him. Jesus made some mud with the spit and he put it on the man's eyes and he said, now go wash it off. Now, first of all, we need to notice here It was not necessary for Jesus to do this. 
There was nothing medicinal about the spit or the mud. It was a process. And in that day, one of the things that people believed was that certain holy people, that their spit did have medicinal value. And Jesus played into that, if you will. He used that as a way of drawing faith out of this man. But it wasn't required. How do we know that? Because Jesus healed other people without spit. Jesus healed other people without even touching them. So we know that this wasn't required. It was just something Jesus did as a tool to strengthen his faith. But as you can see as we read through the story, the bulk of the story doesn't even involve Jesus. The bulk of the story are the religious leaders investigating Jesus and interrogating the man, the people around him, his parents. They wanted to get to the bottom of what happened here because dum, 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 the day that Jesus did it was the Sabbath. Every time we see Jesus in John's Gospel doing these things, it's a Sabbath day. And boy, the Sabbath police come running. They've got their little ticket book and they're ready to write about a ticket for doing something on the Sabbath day. Because it was allowed to heal on the Sabbath, but only in an emergency. And then only enough to keep the person alive so that then the next day you can finish it up and heal all the rest of the way. But this man who was born blind has obviously been this way for a long time. Waiting one more day of healing would have been a problem. So why did you do it? Why did you make mud? Just the, the combining the spit with the dirt would have been an act of work. Putting the mud on his eyes would have been work. Why did you do that? And they, so they pursue this. The bulk of the story isn't about Jesus directly. But we want to focus on him this morning. The story tells us some, a few things about Jesus and how that relates to us today and what we can learn from this story. So first of all, let's look at a few things that we learn directly, specifically about Jesus from this healing. This is one of those classic stories in John's Gospel where there's something physical going on. A man is physically blind, and he is physically made whole so that he can see. But you don't have to read this story very long to see that John's got something else at at stake here. There's something else that he's telling us. It's not the physical. It's the spiritual. And that's the key that we really need to see in this story. Number one, Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus can do miracles. We've seen this before and we will see it again. Jesus has power over the physical realities that we deal with. Why is that important today? Because some of us need a miracle today. We need God to intervene in our life and do something powerful on the physical realm. We need that. And oftentimes when we're going through a crisis in our lives, we go through a period of despair. What am I going to do? Precisely because we forget that Jesus is a miracle worker and he has the power to alter physical realities. We act as if Jesus doesn't have the power anymore. Or maybe he's got the power, but he doesn't have the willingness to do this anymore. 
But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He has the power to change our physical lives. And we need to remember that. Second, though, this story, yes, teaches us that Jesus has the power to alter physical realities, but He also is much more than a physical miracle worker. Yes, He is a miracle worker, But as the story shows, Jesus himself understood that he was much more. Jesus, as we see through this story, is revealed to be the light of the world. And that idea is key to John's gospel. All the way back in the first chapter, we are told that Jesus is the light who came into the world to enlighten the whole world with God's truth. Jesus is a miracle worker, but Jesus is much more than a physical miracle worker. He can do what we need spiritually. Third, Jesus uses the physical difficulties, the problems that people had in their lives as a point of encounter. Be it a lame man that we saw a few weeks ago, be it the blind man that we see today, or the hungry people in chapter 6. Remember when Jesus fed them with a few loaves and a few fish? It's through these difficulties that Jesus opens their eyes to see a greater reality. The spiritual reality in life. You see, the disciples saw a blind man and they wanted to debate theology. Well, where did this sin come from? What caused him to be this way? Why was he born blind? A question that comes to me, this is off the notes here, people, but I want to know, when the disciples asked Jesus that question, were they close enough that the blind man could hear him? You know what I'm talking about? Here's a blind man, and they want to talk about He's blind, he's not deaf. How insensitive of them. They want to talk about this man. Well, who's him? Him or his parents? Either one's not good, and they're talking about him right in front of them. You wonder what the blind man's thinking at that point. Like the woman caught in adultery a few weeks ago, remember? The religious leaders didn't care about her. They were just using her as a prop. Well, the same is true here. The disciples want to talk about him. They don't want to help him. Jesus doesn't buy into that. People saw, Jesus saw people with problems as people with problems who needed help. They didn't need people to talk about that. And so Jesus does something. He saw someone who needs help, so he helped him. Because Jesus could see the big picture. That people have needs greater than just the physical that they're going through. We have a sin problem, but it's much bigger than just individual sins that we commit. We are sinners. We need help. And Jesus could see that. What's our takeaway, though? As we look at what Jesus does here, as we see this miracle worker, what's our takeaway? 
What do we get from this story? Number one, recognize that your greatest need is not material, is not physical. Your greatest need is spiritual. We come to God with our physical problem, and to us, that's our biggest need. Boy, if God would just take take care of this, things would be fine. If I could just have more money, or if I could have this healed, boy, my life would be better. No. How many of us have experienced in our life God fixing one problem in our life just so we could go out and make another new problem? Our biggest problem is not the physical. It's not the financial. Our biggest need is spiritual. Jesus rescues a woman who's caught in adultery and then he points her to a different reality and says, listen, you need to go and sin no more. Jesus heals the lame man. Was it in chapter 5, remember? And he says, you need to change the way you're living or something worse is going to happen. Our greatest need is spiritual. And without a spiritual change, we are in eternal trouble. In John's Gospel, we see that truth expressed a number of different ways, but it's one idea repeated again and again. In chapter 3 to Nicodemus, Jesus said, you must be born again. To the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, Jesus said, you must have some spiritual water to satisfy your thirst. To the people that Jesus fed, the the thousands of people, he said, stop working for physical food. Start working for food that will last into eternity. To the physically blind man, Jesus shows that he has an even greater need. And he points him to himself. Do you believe in me? Each story shows us that we are unable to fix our own problem. We need God to fix us spiritually. We can't provide the spiritual water that we need. We can't cure our lameness. We can't cure our blindness on our own. We can't cause ourselves to be born again. Only God can do that. And so again and again we see this point that our greatest need is not physical. It's spiritual. Second, an important takeaway from this story is worship. Once we begin to recognize that we do not have the ability to open our own eyes, once your eyes are opened, it leads to worship. Jesus comes to this guy after he was thrown out of the synagogue. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy's like, you tell me who to believe in, I'll believe in. Right? I don't know who he is, but I believe. Right? Because he had been changed. And he knew that. And Jesus said, well, I knew. And he's like, then I believe you. This was not phony. This was genuine worship because his life had been changed. Folks, can I get nasty here? I was gone last week, so I got a week's worth of nasty to make up, right? Sometimes when we come into worship, we've lost the zip in our worship. You know what I mean? 
We're here, we're going through the motions, but we've lost that enthusiasm. You know why? Because we forgot that we used to be blind, but now we can see. We've forgotten what God has done for us. And it affects our worship. Because I'm telling you, this guy didn't need to be told to be excited to worship Jesus. He didn't need to be told that. When you go your whole life being blind and somebody opens your eyes, you're excited about it. You realize this morning, on a Sunday morning, that you're sitting in church because God opened your eyes to spiritual realities. Stick with me. Do you know where you'd be this morning if God hadn't opened your eyes? I don't know where, but it wouldn't be here. Amen? We are here because God has done a work in our hearts and shown us who Christ is. And that ought to cause us to worship Jesus. Not to just sing songs, but to praise His name for what He's done. Because only He could do what we needed in opening our eyes. What caused you to see Christ? For this man, it was having his physical eyes opened. He saw Jesus physically, and God opened his heart to see who Jesus was spiritually. But God often uses a crisis in our life to open our eyes to spiritual realities. What was it that God used to open your eyes? Was it a health problem? A marriage problem? Death in the family? A financial crisis? What was it that finally God brought you to the end of yourself and then He opened your eyes to see who Jesus is? That's a work of God. You see, problems in life are a platform for God to work. The disciples come to Jesus and they said, Man, who sinned? This man... Or his parents. And Jesus said, man, you don't get it. This did not happen because he sinned or because his parents sinned. This happened so God could work in his life. So that he could become a platform for God to work. And you know what? That man was blind for a long time. His whole life. But do you realize that we're sitting here today... 2,000 years later, still talking about what God did in his life. Because God used him as a platform to display his power and his glory. We want so much, so desperately, to have a problem-free life that we don't realize that God wants to use our problems as a platform for him to display his glory. For him to display his power. Jesus said in Matthew 11, he says, nobody sees the Father unless the Son reveals him. We can never see God unless God opens our eyes through Christ. What's our takeaway today? Worship the God who's opened your eyes. That you can see God. Because you could be out there in the world today oblivious to the spiritual realities of life. God has opened your eyes to see a whole new dimension to see who He is.
third, we are to be followers of Christ, not just intellectually, not just theologically, not just in our hearts and what we say we believe. We are called to follow Jesus. The disciples said, hey, let's talk some theology. Let's talk about this guy. Why is he blind? And Jesus said, I got a better idea. How about if we heal him? And Jesus then went on to say, I gotta work while it's still day. Did you see that? We work while it's day. Clearly, this is a reference to the limited time that we have here on earth to do the work of God. And Jesus said, night is coming when we can't work. Time is short and the time is getting shorter. Therefore, we work as followers of Jesus to do the work that Jesus started. We work with God in the process of opening people's eyes. No, we do not have the ability to open people's eyes ourselves on our own. But we can be used by God in the process of other people's eyes being opened to see the reality of God in us. This is a huge issue. This has huge implications for the way we do evangelism, the way that we lead people to Christ. Have you ever seen those people, we call them angry Christians? They get angry when they're witnessing for Christ. They're passionate, but they get mad. Right? These are people who don't understand spiritual blindness. Do you know why people don't believe in Christ? Because they can't see who Christ is. They're blind. You're walking down the street one day and you see a blind person there with Cain, the dog, and then you see somebody screaming at them because they can't see. Well, I, I get it. I get it. The man can't see. That's just mad at You run up there and say, what are you doing? Why are you yelling at a man who cannot see because he cannot see? I'll wait for a second to see if the light clicks. It comes on. Why are we yelling at spiritual people who can't see spiritual truth? Why? They're blind. <laughs> what, you think yelling at them is going to make them see? No more than yelling at a blind person is going to cause that person to see. Why do we think that getting angry with people who don't believe in Christ will cause them to believe in Christ? They can't see it. That's just the reality of it. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. And it was only God speaking a word of light that caused us to be able to see who Jesus is. And that's why we pray for lost people. Remember a few weeks ago we took those cards and we wrote down the names of people that you're going to pray for? That they would come to accept Christ? Why do we pray for lost people? We pray that God would open their eyes. Because if God doesn't open their eyes, if God doesn't open their heart, all of our words won't do any good. But this story also gives us a clue about how we witness for Christ. I love this guy because I can relate to him. They come to him, the religious leaders, and they've got all these theological questions about Jesus. Who is he? Why did he do this? He must not be from God. And they're just drilling him with questions. And finally, the guy says, I don't know. Right? I know his name. His name's Jesus. As for all this other stuff, he says, 
used to be blind. But now I see. He's witnessing for Christ in the only way he knows how. The religious leaders wanted to shoot Jesus down because they were convinced he was not from God. They wanted to debate. And the guy's like, I got nothing. Except my personal experience. Because I'm looking you right in the eye when before I couldn't. He pointed to the changes that God had made in his life. Listen to me. Don't debate theology with people who don't want to believe. You know what I'm talking about? I have people who want to debate me at times about theology. Good luck, right? Even if you get me to the point where I'm stumped, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. That just means I'm terrible at debating. Right? Don't debate people who don't want to believe because every question you answer, they'll just come back with three more questions. Why? Because they don't want to believe. Don't debate theology with non-believers. Point them to Christ in you. What God has done in your life. Because you know what? They can't argue about that. What I love in this story is this man did not go and go knocking on doors. Let me tell you about what God's done in my life. People were coming to him. Didn't you used to be blind? You look like that guy that used to be sitting out front with a tin cup begging for money. You know what? As a matter of fact, that was me. People were coming to him, wanting to know what had happened to him. It does beg the question, how come people aren't coming up to us asking us about God in our life? It's got quiet in it. Could it be that people are not seeing the changes that God is making in our lives because God's not making changes in our lives? This guy, he couldn't deny it. When you go from blind to seeing, it's obvious. But how many of us has God done something even more miraculous in opening our spiritual eyes? Why aren't people coming to us and saying, what's going on with you? But when people do see that change in us, when they do ask us what's going on in our lives, we can tell them it was Jesus. I used to be blind, but now I see. When I was in school, I worked in the factory. And because of the way I went to school, I would leave and go to school and come back. And I worked there on and off four or five times between semesters and between school years. And so one time I I made my cycle back and I I came back literally to my first day back. I'd not been there for a year. And I sat down for lunch. And a group of us started talking and Paul was there. Paul started talking. Paul was a, a rocker. He was a drug addict. He was, I mean, he was the party animal. And as he began to talk, I could tell something had changed in his life. We finished lunch and we started to walk back to work. And I pulled him aside and said, what the hell happened to you? Nice. 
I said, what happened to you? I said, you're different. He said, I accepted Christ. It took me all of about 15 minutes to see the difference in his life that God was making. And he had come to faith in Jesus and it had changed his life. The point is, how many of us are sitting here today and we say the same thing? I've accepted Christ. I've become a Christian. And yet, the world doesn't seem to take any notice of us. We're not living in such a way that people look at us and say, man, you're different. What's going on within your life? God wants to display His power in our lives so that people can see God in us. So that we can point people to Jesus, to the lame. We go to them and we say, let me introduce you to a man who can fix that. To the blind, we go to them and we say, let me point you to the one who can give you sight. To the thirsty, we point them to the one who can give them the spiritual water of life. What's the common denominator here, people? Jesus. Jesus is the one who's making these changes in our lives and we point people to Christ. That's why it's important for us to get involved in the jail ministry. This is an opportunity for us to break the cycle of recidivism. 67%. I don't buy that number. I think it's higher. Honestly. But whatever number it is, it's too high. And we in the church sit back and say, boy, I wish people were excited through the jail again and again and again. My barber is... It's friends with Mark Hackle who used to run the Cone County Jail. And you know what Mark Hackle would say? Mark Hackle would say, everybody finds Jesus in jail. Everybody finds Jesus in jail. What happens is they come out of jail and they lose it. The mentoring program gives us an opportunity to help people who are coming out of jail and say, listen, that Jesus that you met in jail is just as real out here. And you need him as much, if not more. I do jail ministry once a month. And every time I go, I tell them, listen, it does you no good to sit here with your Bibles in jail. What matters is what you do when you hit that front door and when you leave. We have an opportunity to make an impact in real people's lives. To show men and women the reality of Jesus who changed our life. Who wants to change their life as well. Jesus is the light of the world. But we can be that light. Jesus said, I'm the light while I'm here. Guess what? Jesus isn't here, but we are. So now we are the light of the world. We don't point people to ourselves, but we light the path to the one who is the light. We like the way to Jesus. And that experience that they're going through of being in jail just might be the life crisis that God uses to turn them around. God forbid that we are not there to help them when they want to make that change. 
Why do they go back to the old life? Because they don't know any other way. And they don't have anybody to help them in the new way. And we want to just sit back and cluck and say, well, you know what, they ought to do things differently. But we won't do anything to help them do it differently. God forbid that we would just talk about people's sin and not do something to help them. In a great irony, in closing, when we get to the end of the story, we see the miraculous change that takes place in this man's life. Jesus opens his eyes, but he doesn't just open his physical eyes, he opens his spiritual eyes to see who Jesus really is. So the blind man becomes seeing. And then you have the religious leaders there who have perfectly good eyes who can't see a lick. They're looking right at Jesus and they just they, they can't see it. Because they're as blind as bats spiritually. They're absolutely convinced that Jesus is not from God. They have perfectly good physical eyes and yet they're clues. They see what God is doing and they say, that's not God. Because they're blind. Let me ask you this morning. Where are you? Just because you're in church doesn't mean that your eyes have been opened. The religious leaders were in church more than we are. They were doing the God stuff better than we are in terms of keeping the rules and regulations. But they were clueless as to who God really is. They were spiritually blind. How about you? Look at your life. You see, it's not about us trying to generate to look like God was working in our lives. Don't have to. If you are a follower of Christ, you'll see changes in your life and everybody around you will see changes in your life. You won't have to manufacture things to testify to God about. People will see it. And if there are not changes happening in your life because of God, it's probably because you don't know Christ. You may be a great church attender. You may be a great church member. But you know, that's not going to do you any good on the day of judgment. Have your eyes been opened? If you truly see who Jesus is, then are you following him? It's not enough just to acknowledge it in your mind. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to follow Jesus. That's right.